Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. On Classic Hits. It is Niall Boylan. Hope you had a good weekend on your own. Uh, or with family, friends, maybe in your house, because of course, social, isa- social isolation is the key, certainly to the conversation today. Also, by the way, a little bit of good news. Uh, just after one o'clock, the hit bit, it's Double Money Monday. I'm going to give somebody, hopefully, 1100 euro just after one o'clock. So listen out just after one. We'll give you the clue, and all you've got to do is come on the air and tell us what bit of a hit it actually is. Uh, also, we will be talking to Dr. Nick Flynn a little bit later on about the importance of social distancing and the need for a lockdown because people don't seem to be listening. And the Vintners Association will be on to us uh, to talk to us about, I suppose, the pubs of Ireland and how they're going to survive through this very difficult time from a business point of view as well uh, as the whole social aspect of it as well. Of course, everybody wants the right thing to happen, but of course... For a lot of people, money is an object and certainly it is a hurdle to get through in these tough times. And we'll talk about that more as well today. Uh, But of course, the weekend uh, saw a lot of people ignoring a very strong message from the government. And this morning on the way into work, I happened to be listening to BBC Radio Ulster on the way down from Belfast this morning. And um, it was quite humbling to listen to a doctor talk about what he is going through on the front line, how many cases he's dealt with and what the one thing that resonated with me was, he said, look, people don't understand the importance of this right now. He said, we're starting to feel it now in the UK. The health service is starting to come under pressure. He says, as a doctor for the last 25 years, he said he doesn't want to have to make a decision as to which one of these eight people get a ventilator and will survive. So I can tell the other seven family members of those other people that unfortunately we could save your father or your mother's life or your sister or brother's life But unfortunately, we don't have ventilator and we have a triage system. And he says, I don't want to have to do that. I never thought I'd have to do that. But he said, that's what it's coming to. And if we all behave ourselves, and I know that sounds very patronising, but if we all do what we're being asked to do, I think we could possibly avoid a lot of that and a lot of unnecessary deaths. Uh, one person who's spoken out about this is Sinn Féin President Mary Lou Macdonald, and she said that the time is to scale up the emergency measures and restrictions has come. And uh, she's on the line now, uh, Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou Macdonald. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall. Um, now, a couple of things just before we get to that, because, of course, the important conversation is COVID-19, and we need to talk about that. But there are many things. Firstly, um, I don't want to politicise this conversation, and I certainly don't want to go down that route because I don't think it's time for that. But Leo has said uh, today that Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil are welcoming the inclusion of the Greens and the Social Democrats in the United Government. Considering how well Sinn Féin did in the election, which seems like years ago now at this stage, to be honest, because so much has happened since then. I mean, how does that make you feel? Well, uh, firstly, I agree with you, Niall, that this isn't a time for a political bun fight um, or for political point scoring. Um, I'm disappointed that even in the grip of a pandemic and a national crisis, the likes of which you and I haven't seen in our lifetime, um, that Leo Varadkar still feels the need to practice the politics of exclusion. Now, the reality is, and anybody with an ounce of common sense would understand that you can't actually have a national unity government without Sinn Féin. 
we well it, it, got, it, well, it kind of goes against the word unity then, doesn't it, really? Of course. <laughs> well, it goes against both concepts. So, I mean, more than 25% of people came out and, and voted for us. We have a very strong mandate. We have a big job to do. We have a lot to contribute. Um, we are anxious and eager to roll up our sleeves and to do the right things and to make sure also that the right things are done because in the here and now, this is about, as the doctor that you were listening to on, on your journey down, this is about preventing people getting sick. This is about preventing our health service being completely overwhelmed. This is about preventing people dying unnecessarily. This is about um, supporting families and people who've lost their jobs and more who lose their jobs and people whose businesses now uh, will have to close. Uh, we, we've a huge, huge lift to make here. So okay, well, well, let's, I think let's get to one or two of those things on this. And, Virat Kaur is, yeah. is, is, is very disappointing. And, I, very and mind disappointing you, I know, I know you applauded him on his speech and it was a very well said, a very well put together speech, um, although there were quite a lot of cliches in it, but however, it was a well put together speech and I know you applauded him on that and you want to cooperate. Every, I think at a time like this, you know, we have to leave the politics at the front door and we all need to cooperate and you are right that, you know, that the population spoke during the election and without a shadow of a doubt, Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin more or less had the same votes, the same amount of votes. So it's clear that the country wants a combination of everybody's policies, in other words. And that includes Sinn Féin. Of course. And look, Tamir, at the end of the day, um, I, I, I think Leo Varadkar and everybody else needs to, to remember that what matters here now is the people, not political egos mm. and not people sticking out their chest in that way. I, I would just make this observation, Niall, and I had said it during the course of the election. I mean, the the big two, uh, as they were, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, have had power here for almost a century uh, and they're not willing to let go and to let others in. And, and for me, unfortunately, Leo's remarks just demonstrate that fact again, even as we face into a terrifying, terrifying pandemic, that he still continues with that rhetoric is extraordinary. And he shouldn't be at that, and I'd, I'd ask him to stop and to allow everybody to work together in the common good. And I, and I can see why that should even be an issue, even if it's an on issue, a, I, well, you know, a temporary on basis. Even on a temporary yeah. basis, listen, we can deal with the election. We can even have another election if they want to in six months' time or a year's time when we all see the light at the end of the tunnel and get through this. But get, but getting down to what we need to do right now, we've, we've two aspects of this. We have the health aspect of it and obviously that's paramount that everybody and as many people survive this as possible and as many people stay safe and healthy as possible and then you have the financial aspect of it and yeah. what it's going to cost the state and how we have how we invest in the future because without a shadow of a doubt we're looking at a recession so how we invest in that recession to make it easy so we don't go through another nine years as we did between 2009 up to 2019 so Regina Doherty has clearly said that €203 is not enough. I know Pierce Doherty is suggesting 70% of salary should be paid, uh, similar to, I suppose, the United Kingdom, and Boris saying 80% of salary is up to €2,500. Is that a line that you would be thinking of going down? Is that what the government should be doing? Absolutely. I mean, uh, a lot of people in circumstances that they could never have predicted, overnight they lost their job. And you know, Niall, and I know what that means for for a worker and for their family. I mean, you're, you're, in, in many ways, your, your world falls apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so people have lost their jobs. Be very clear that more people are going to uh, lose their jobs. Businesses that, uh, if, if, 
without this virus would be viable, thriving businesses are going to have to shut their doors. Some, and, so, and some may reopen and some may not. Well, here, here's my point. So therefore, we need to intervene in this in this in a way that is or at least would have been unthinkable for some five or six uh, weeks ago. So what we are saying is that people's incomes need to be protected. I'm very glad that there seems to be a consensus emerging on this point. We have different ways or suggestions as to how you do it. Our suggestion, for example, is that every worker, your first 32,500 euro of income, that that is secured. Now, for lots of people, that's their entire income. Uh, for others, it might even be a little bit more uh, above what they actually earn. Um, but we are saying that that portion of income must be protected. If, you, if you're fortunate enough to earn more than that, well, then your employer can top you up. Mm-hmm. But at a minimum, that you would be guaranteed up to €565 Euro a week. I'm assuming you're, you're suggesting not paying this to people, as currently the COVID payment is being paid directly to people. And, and to be honest with you, without being cynical, that's open to fraud, because it's open to people claiming you shouldn't probably get it, etc. Cetera, et cetera. I'm assuming we're saying that if we're going to go down this route of protecting income to the point of paying a percentage of income, that we pay this to the employer, who will then keep the staff on the books, based on, say, their last month's pay, that you would work it out that way. In other words, that the employer, if he reopens again in, say, eight months or six months or three months or whenever this all uh, stops, that he can then say to all the staff, right, I'll come back to work now so his business is being protected. I'm assuming Well, that- yes. Yeah. The, the objective is that this would be payable through the employer. And it, it's actually nothing got to do with fraud, it, but it has everything to do with rather than allowing businesses go bust and close down, that you actually put businesses, you suspend them, you put them to sleep for the next number of weeks or months. So when this crisis passes, and it will, as sure as night follows day, we will come out the far end of this. And when we do, to ensure that businesses can kickstart very, very quickly and start putting uh, the economy and their business models back together, and bringing people back to work immediately. You see, the problem uh, well, is... Well, Mary, I, Mary, have you been yeah. disappointed, if I can ask you, because I know uh, Pascal was on the Late Late Show the other night, and I thought that was a very disappointing interview, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I thought he didn't really answer any questions, and I think at one stage, Ryan put the same question to him three times as in relation to the British model, and he avoided answering it every single time, although Regina did say in RT uh, the following morning uh, that she believed the €203 Euro was not enough. Um, to, to bail out the state, uh, we worked it out based on the British model, for example, at 500000 people maximum over six months uh, and that's working it out of it wouldn't be any more than 500,000 people would cost yep. a maximum of 7.5 billion euro now when we consider yep. we paid 64 billion to bail out the banks, For the banks yeah. I don't think that's a bad investment in the future it, well can I tell you Niall it's it's an absolutely essential investment it's it's the smartest wisest money that we will spend as a society at this time because you're right a decade ago the banks went bust the financial crisis hit and they were bailed out to the tune of 64 billion and not alone that the austerity the cutbacks the hardship that that followed that many many people still bear the scars of that this crisis has to be about now the government the state and all of its agencies standing up and bailing out families workers and communities to ensure that when we come out of this crisis firstly uh, alive with our health intact that's the first thing Uh, But secondly, that we are in the best position possible to start rebuilding the economy, rebuilding our public uh, services in ways, uh, let Mm -hmm. me say, uh, that that will have to be very, very different 
from the kind of politics and the kind of decisions that we've had uh, in the past. But yeah, because but we, we part, gotta think outside the box. We this is not something we ever this is completely unprecedented on chartered waters. Yeah. In relation to business too, you know, there's people texting in at the moment saying, What about the self employed? I'm assuming self employed should be treated uh, the same way. Yes. The self employed I mean one of the flaws with the British model that you referred to and we're dealing with this because obviously it has an effect in the North is that it doesn't include the self employed. Certainly the proposal that we in Sinn Fein are pressing for the government here to adopt Absolutely, has to cover the self-employed. It would be easy enough. I think. I think that all you'd have to do time. is, yeah. Would you? All you would do is base it on the previous year's tax return. Absolutely, no. It's look, come here. Revenue, know exactly what what everyone has. Be very sure. Be very very sure uh, of okay. that. So. So, it's, it's, so it should include the self-employed. And I'm sorry for rushing you, Absolutely. but I want to try and get as much yeah. information as possible. Sure, go uh, and also in relation to revenue, uh, businesses are talking about, say, revenue, the revenue commissioners. At the moment, they've said that there'll be no penalties and fines, but they're still kind of looking for their money. Um, would there not be a suggestion there that they say for the next two VAT periods, one which is due at the end of this month, uh, the next two VAT periods, that they will give a VAT refund to try and sustain business and try and give a little bit of capital behind business for reopening? Yeah, I, I think all of those measures need to be looked at. Uh, the issue of rate holidays, the, ho- the whole lot mm-hmm. uh, needs to be looked at in an extraordinary way because the objective here, and let me repeat it, is to ensure that workers can put the light on, put bread on the table, can get through in a material sense uh, this crisis, but also that, that we have businesses that we can reopen when this crisis passed. So, Niall, in, in, in our view, everything needs to be on the table. Everything needs to be considered. We need to think creatively um, and outside of the box to meet all of the challenges that we're now going to face. And let me say, small and medium-sized businesses are the lifeblood of the Irish economy right across the island. So, in particular, for small businesses, for medium-sized enterprises, the, the, the state now needs to pull out all of the... Because Absolutely, because the, the, the larger workers, companies can absorb have, this. Yeah. Oh, of course. The yeah, big, of course. Big, uh, huge big corporates are uh, a different kettle of fish. Uh, okay. Uh, in relation to the decisions that have already been made, um, there was a big deal made by Pascal about the three-month holiday, um, or the moratorium, essentially, was what it is. It doesn't really help people because when it happens and people uh, get it from their, you know, they still have to go through the process of, of providing a financial statement, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they still have to pay it back. So it's going to be recapitalised or added on to the end of their mortgage. So it's not really a holiday. It's still costing people money. Um, is that acceptable? Is it good enough? Should the banks have just not said, listen, let's just suspend mortgages until a particular date that we decide or we all, you know, we all come together and decide on a particular date when we all start paying again? Well, the, the short answer is that the, the banks are being let off the hook by Pascal and uh by the government as a whole. What they have proposed this three-month holiday is something that even in in the ordinary course of events you can approach your bank and you can look for. What they're suggesting is a three-month holiday but that interest, your interest payments would still accrue. So you're still building up additional debt. What needs to happen is a mortgage freeze. Uh, And I'm not convinced at all that a period of three months would be sufficient. No, it won't. I, I think we're, we're well, going to have to Well, they said the legislation only allows them to go three months because after that you well, essentially okay. become a bad debt. Yes. So that's, that's according to the central bank and the application of rules. But they also said that they had to stick to that position unless and until the government said uh, otherwise, which is interesting because very often when we've been looking for them to do things or the government to do things, they say, well, we can't interfere in that. Anyway, this is not a time for messing or for dancing on the head of a pin. 
we have to be absolutely sure that everybody can keep a roof over their head throughout this uh, crisis, that nobody is forced into a default on their mortgage. And we have to be sure also when we come out the far end of this, that people have massive personal debt. Absolutely. So the banks thus far have not in any way been pressurised to to participate and to carry their fair share of the load in this uh, this crisis. So that has to change. My colleague, Pierce Doherty, has been uh, talking to the banks. He'll be continuing that conversation. I'm only sorry he's not the Minister for Finance, to be absolutely honest with you, because certainly big pressure will have to be put on the banks and on the insurance companies, because you probably know um, that many, many businesses are reporting that despite having a business disruption, you know, a disruptive Of course, the uh, technicalities, event. the insurance are not paying exactly. out because of the way things exactly. are worded and because of the legislation yeah. is not demanding that businesses are closing, although that may change now. Uh, but of course, I know that um, uh, Sinn Féin actually have said it as well in relation to this particular thing that the insurance companies need to get together or the government need to get together with insurance companies and say, listen, you need to relax on the wording of your insurance. But, but here's the other thing. Well, that's true. But, but here is the other thing. You see, in the absence of the state of the government saying out loud, we are now moving to, I don't like the term lockdown, I prefer shutdown or suspension. We are now moving to full emergency measures and all non-essential businesses now must be suspended. I think that's what needs to happen at this point in time. Uh, until, do you, unless do you think, until do you the think we're at that point, that. Mary Lou, now? Where, I, I mean, look, it is important uh, that we slow down this. And look, we can't stop it, obviously. We know that. But mm-hmm. it is important for the health service that we slow it down to ease the pressure. Otherwise, that reality, that doctor I listened to this morning, uh, that reality comes true where we start going down a triage route where sadly people will die unnecessarily because our health service won't be able to uh, obviously sustain the amount of people that we're coming in. And I know that doesn't look like that now from people because they're hearing, oh, four people died and that's that's really sad. And my, my condolences to all their friends and family. And we say, oh, sure, it's only four and there's only so many p- people sick but that's only now. This is going to landslide in about two weeks' time or a week's time, possibly. Yeah, and if, if we don't act now, if we delay, I would invite people not to look across the island of Ireland, but look at Italy and ask yourself, is that really where we want to go? That is not where we want uh, to go. I, let me tell you why, why I'm so concerned and why I'm now absolutely Are you convinced. worried personally, Mary? I'm worried for I'm worried for because, my own because family. I know worried, you went, you, you went into isolation yourself uh, at the very yeah. very start when but, I but know your children were in the school. They were. They yeah. had to be. But everyone here, thank God, touch wood as well. I'm concerned for everyone. I tell you, I'm really concerned for. I'm concerned for people who have done everything by the book over last weekend, kept away from their mammies for Mammy's Day, did all the physical distancing, all of that stuff, and who today go back into work onto construction sites and factories and call centres, places where you cannot physically distance. Those workers who know that they are taking a risk, that they are being put at risk, the risk that they might bring the virus back home uh, to their families. I think that is outrageous. I think it's unacceptable. And I think now is the moment for leadership and for all of us, but led by the government to say, right, from now, non-essential business is suspended because there's no sense in giving out to people for being on top of each other on Bessie's Town Beach or uh, over in Hope. I saw the queue. Should not be happening. But but the mixed messages that are being sent out uh, are letting people off the hook. It's a mixed message. Well, I mean, sadly, Mary, a lot of people have treated this, and maybe maybe we'll all start to cop on now, 
But a lot of people treated this weekend uh, gone by as a bank holiday weekend, as time off to go away. And I heard a councillor in Donegal giving out about the amount of visitors they got over the weekend. I heard people on the Aran Island saying, please stop coming over to us. It's not a holiday. You know, stop, stop treating it like a holiday because, of course, they have an elderly population on the island. And a lot of people, the same in the UK, they're, they're heading off to the Cotswolds and they're heading off to all these wonderful places for the weekend because they have time off work and people shouldn't be treating this as a holiday. But you talk about essential services and uh, we've tried desperately to get Richard Bruton on the air. We can't get him on the air for some reason. We've, we've had numerous emails ignored and phone calls. Uh, from a selfish point of view, uh, Leo Varadka mentioned the media and journalists and the important yep. role they're playing in this. I mean, you should be well aware that radio stations, the independent radio sector, not RTE, of course, who have a comfortable cushion of a television licence, we depend on advertising. Most radio stations in the independent sector in this country have probably lost about 70% of their advertising in the last seven days uh, because we rely on hospitality, the gigs from Ticketmaster, the holiday companies, all those places course, are not yeah. advertising. We have and we will have no money going forward unless the state intervenes. We will have no independent radio in this country in the next month or so. They'll all start shutting the doors unless the government intervenes. What should be done for the independent sector? And that's a very selfish question for me to ask you. But obviously, No, it, it, can I tell you, it, it's not one bit selfish because the reality is that people are, we're saying to people, stay at home. And by the way, this is a deadly virus. We have no immunity and we have no vaccine. So this isn't just some light flu. This is a killer virus. And stay at home means stay at home. By all means, get out, stretch your legs, uh, you know, get the fresh air into your lungs, but use your cop on, for goodness sake. Go at times where places are quiet. If somewhere is packed, go home. So that's the first thing. But when we say to people, stay at home, people are going to want information from reliable sources. People are going to want to hear um what's happening. They need their news reported. They also need diversion and conversation. And local stories and, too. And a bit yeah. of fun and local stories because that's, we're Irish for God's sake. We rely on crack and good conversation and keeping in touch. So I actually think that radio in particular is a really, really important and essential service through this uh, emergency. So we suggested, for example, last week that the, you know, all of the, there's quite a substantial budget, obviously, for communications and advertising even in relation to this virus itself. Well, I could suggest something to you right now, Mary. Yeah. And the CEOs of uh, many of the radio stations have suggested it all right at the Broadcasting Authority. Now, Richard Bruton, the best he could do it was abolishing the levy, uh, well, suspending the levy for six months to the Broadcasting Authority. That amounts to about €25,000 per radio station. That's not even going to cover half the salary for most radio stations. Yeah. Yeah. But what we suggested was, at the moment, there's a Sound and Vision grant, which is €15 million, Euro, which is given out by the Broadcasting Authority every year to independent sectors to produce, you know, small programmes and documentaries, that that should be suspended for a year. The 15 million then divvied out appropriately to each radio station or television station, in the case of uh, Virgin Media, uh, and that that money should be appropriate, given out appropriately to the, the, the radio stations so they can survive this. Yeah, and I, I think it's kind of innovations like that that we need, but I also think that the advertising uh, revenue that has been foregone because businesses are under so much uh, pressure and because the economy at some stage, is going to be put to sleep. And I think it needs to happen now. I think there's no room for delay. Uh, I think government revenue in terms of advertising and spending, I think, can be targeted also uh, to independent outlets and to, to local to, to local radio stations. So we're in a whole new world now, Niall, and things that people mm-hmm. took very much for granted two months ago are now things of absolutely critical uh, importance. 
so that we can help ourselves as, as families, as individuals and communities to get through this in the very best shape that we can. And I think, I think the message out to people of what we want and what government's job in this situation is, is we want everybody to be obedient, if that's the right word to use, I've been too patronising. Uh, we want everyone to comply because it's in everyone's interest and everyone's health that we all do that. And to do that, we need to put people in a secure position and a safe position financially to be able to do that. So Johnny or Mary doesn't have to worry, well, if I stay at home, I'll have no money for food or mortgages or rent or whatever it is. So we have to put them in a position where they want to comply. Exactly. We, we have to make it possible for people to uh, carry out the responsible behaviours. So that means that, for example, renters need to be looked after. We need to cut rents and we need to freeze them. We have to be sure that nobody loses the roof over their head, that there is an absolute moratorium on evictions. And we discussed the the, the mortgage piece uh, mm-hmm. as well. And, the, we and by the way, those, just to say yeah. that, because I don't want to make the landlords out to be bad people because they're not. Most of them are good people. So the landlords also have to be compensated in a way because that's a loss of earnings for them too. So they, everybody has to be looked it, at. It, this, is, come here, yeah. this, is about, this is about just being fair all around. It's Absolutely. Also about being, it's also about being clear. So there's no point in criticising younger people if they're not keeping their distance and they're not observing what we need them to do to keep people alive at the weekend if you're saying to them but come Monday morning go back to work on your building site or go back into the factory so that's so we have to if we're serious about this and we have no option but to be serious about it all of us need to be serious and I firmly believe that political leaders and government need to lead from the front on this just before I came on to talk to you Niall I got word from uh, a construction site which I won't name but it's a large construction site there's several hundred workers on it and there is only one source of warm water and soap. There's no hand sanitizers. Uh, there's no protective measures being taken. Those workers are terrified. Their families at home are even more worried. That is not acceptable, and that needs to stop, and that means we need decisive action. Now, we need a little bit of common sense mm-hmm. and common decency now to be the order of the day. All right, well, listen, I thank you very much indeed. There are a lot of questions that I could ask you. People are asking, I have somebody that texts in here, they're a school teacher, obviously, and they're, they're concerned that their students online are worried about the junior cert and leaving cert. Yes. And, yeah. you know, and I suppose for everybody, you know, they're going to fill out their CEOs and they, they are a CSO and they want to know exactly what they're going to be doing. Are they going to be going to college? Will they get the, Now, I know they, the orals and the projects will be 100% automatically, uh, but what's going to happen to the written exam? If that's cancelled, how can they go to college next year? All these questions. Well, can I, can and I, and I know you don't have all the answers. I know you don't. No, I don't, but I, I do have teenage uh, kids, right? And as you said earlier on, they have done two weeks quarantine and then the schools shut down. Now, fortunately, we don't have exams this year, any big exam. But can we just say to, the, to those families and to the students, the system is going to have to adapt now to the completely extraordinary circumstances that we're in. So here's the best advice that you're going to get, I think. Keep tipping along day to day Keep your hand in, keep the books open, keep doing your work, follow the assignments and and the advice that's coming from your teachers and from your school. This is not a holiday. You are not on your summer holidays, so don't kick back. Keep working, have routine, set yourself a timetable, work as though you will have exams come the summertime, certainly leaving cert students. But if the exams can't happen and if we have to reshape things, that is what we will do. Students won't be punished, but keep your hand in, keep at your books, keep studying hard and actually take advantage of the fact 
um, that you have to keep your physical distance to actually get a real sense of structure and routine for yourself and don't stress. The, the government and the Department of Education and all of us in leadership positions have got to ensure that this uh, very difficult situation is managed in terms of exams and CSO and all of that. Uh, the, the system is going to have to respond to this crisis. And loads of texts, by the way, coming in. I could read them all out about people working in Unpust who are working in warehouses. My son works yeah. in Unpust in a warehouse. Somebody else says, I'm a meter reader. I'm still working. I'm obviously concerned. Uh, other factories are texting in here saying that they're open. Um, listen, Mary Lou, thank you very much. And a final Thanks note, million, uh, my last yeah. selfish point as well. Uh, I expect you to raise the point of independent radio because that's obviously my my task here for to make sure that we get looked after as well because everybody obviously wants to get looked after. And I would remind you to ask them that the Sound and Vision grant is available, should be suspended. And also, by the way, RTA, because there is no live outdoor events at the moment, there's no sports, um, they're saving quite a substantial amount of money. Maybe that part of the television licence could be uh, appropriated uh, to the, the independent sector. We're not looking for something for nothing. We're just looking to survive. Okay, no, I hear you. All right, thank you very much indeed. Okay, Thanks. thank you so Bye-bye. much. Bye-bye. There you go. Uh, Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou MacDonald. Uh, loads and loads of people texting me and somebody says, uh, Hi Niall, uh, I can't understand the logic in having unessential factories, etc. still open. My wife works in a massive uh, multinational company who have sent uh, office staff home, but all the other staff are still there. Uh, in the area my wife works in, one person had, uh, has covid and is in hospital, and others suspected sent home. The problem is, I'm one of the vulnerable, and I'm isolating totally. But I'm now thinking that why the hell should I bother? As I'm going to definitely uh, going to get it from my wife. Uh, total imbeciles uh, run this kip. Thanks, Niall. Uh, sorry for the rant, but I'm scared. Look, we're all scared. Uh, keep texting and keep WhatsApping. The number is zero eight seven one double eight triple zero. The question I want to ask you is: Do you think we're doing enough? Uh, do you think that people, there has been suggestions that people, if we go into lockdown, that people who don't self-isolate and people who don't keep their social distance should be fined? Should people be fined for being stupid, for not social distancing? Now, nobody says, by the way, you can't hold your wife's hand. If it's you and your wife, well, that's fine. In Germany, by the way, they brought in, and you cannot have a gathering of more than two people. So that covers you and your missus. So that's grand. If you want both want to get it together, that's fine. You're quite entitled to do that, right? But when we're going out in groups, and we've seen it in Glendalock over the weekend, we've seen it, people going away for weekends, um, you know, into the parks and down to the beaches. Um, is it time to start fining people who don't abide by the rules? Let me know what you think. The number is 87 8 Right, now, getting back to a call that we got on Friday in relation to businesses surviving through all this, of course, the first to be really affected by this financially were the pubs because we asked the pubs to close uh, because, of course, we did tell them to social distance initially, which was very difficult for them to do. Let's be clear about it. Even if they put a sign in the door saying only 100 people allowed in, she can't control where the 100 people stand. So it was a case they had to close. So what did they do? They had to let their staff go. What about paying their suppliers? Their rates, their rent, everything else, and all the costs and just their liability insurance. Everything still has to be paid. So how do they survive? Well, it'll be the pub owner on Friday, and he wants to know how are they going to survive, and he wants us to talk to the Vintners Association in relation to that because insurance companies are not paying out. Padraig Cribben is the chief executive of the Vintners Association. Uh, Padraig, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall. It's a tough time for your members. Very tough time. It, it is incredibly tough. We are in seriously uncharted waters. Uh, it is incredibly tough, not just for our members, but it is incredibly tough for uh, the general public. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose the priority for all is of public us health. Yes. is public health. 
uh, we uh, very early on in this um, situation were very clear whatever else we are in in the federation we are not public health specialists uh, we took the decision that we were going to follow and abide by the public health um, advice information and demands that were set out by the HSE and the World Health Organization as the only uh, responsible uh, approach we could take. And what we have been trying to do uh, uh, under enormous pressure over the last two weeks uh, is to supply uh, and keep our members up to date with developments that have been at, a, at a, an unprecedented pace well, let's look at the biggest problem for the vintners at the moment. Well, for what I say for the for, for the pubs, right? And Minister Pascal Dunahoo has urged, been urged by Fianna Fáil to call on the insurance company bosses. This is according to the Irish Times, uh, because the industry, the insurance industry, is rejecting claims of loss of earnings as a result of the coronavirus, relying on the fine print, which is the technicalities in these insurance policies. In other words, because it's not legislative and they're not being, you know, some way legally closed, they're just being told to close, it's a bit different, isn't it? The the reality is that not for the first time, the insurance industry uh, is proving itself to be a disgrace, an absolute disgrace. Uh, many people pay insurance to have cover at times like this. There are many policies. Now, there are different policies. Many different outlets will have different policies. But there is an, a, an item called business interruption uh, in most policies. And exactly what we have now is business interruption. And uh, the insurance companies are looking to find in the, in the smallest fine print how they can wriggle their way out of this. And, and Padre, you have to, as you know, a business yourself in some sense, you have to understand that insurance companies obviously want to limit the damage to them as well. Because, let's be clear, if everybody claimed off the insurance company, they could go to the wall. Uh, fine. But, I mean, there, there are policies, there are commitments, there is insurance. It is absolutely incumbent now on government to intervene to make sure that those policies that cover this particular issue are honoured uh, and that... If necessary, if are, the state funds the insurance company or backs no, up the insurance company. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. What we, have seen, what we have seen in the last number of weeks is that how very, very, very profitable the insurance companies are. Uh, they may, like, like every other business, they may have to dig into their reserves to cover the current situation because that's what's happening in every business, whether it's a, a, a public house, whether it's a hairdresser's, whether it's a dental surgery, people, and, and in a lot of those cases, those people don't have reserves because they don't have the massive profits yeah. that the insurance companies have had over the last number well, we're, of years. We're talking about a lot of family businesses too around the country, rural Ireland, particularly small pubs who rely on, you know, the trickle of people who may come in, on, or regulars who come in on a regular basis, not the, the big Witherspoon type places. No, we're talking you know about, I mean, the... It's, you know, just bear this in mind, and these are revenue figures, not Vintners Federation figures, that 52% of all of the pubs in the country have a turnover. I'm talking about a turnover of less than 4000 a week. So all of their costs, including the cost of their product, labor, insurance, uh, which you wonder how valuable it is, mm -hmm. uh, Sky, etc., have to come out of that 4000 so those businesses have not built up big reserves like the insurance companies. No, they're living week and to really, week. Yeah. 
Well, there's, there's, there's quite an element of that. And indeed, for, for, a lot of, uh, for a lot of businesses in tourist areas, they have a, they have a relatively short time frame in which to, to make money to cover the rest of the year. And unfortunately for a lot of those, that particular period is commencing right now so that the reserves that they might have had from the last uh, tourist season have, have, have dwindled. So there's two things that government need to do. Apart from, on the one hand, they obviously need to intervene in relation to the insurance situation. They also need to follow the example of the UK. And there is a requirement for a cash injection, a grant, not a loan, mm-hmm. a grant into small businesses to tide them over this particular... Okay, that, the, grant, there, the Boris Johnson introduced a grant of up to £25,000 for small businesses to take from uh, per business. Um, correct, if, yeah. because bear in mind, they're still outgoings. If you have a pub, you still have to pay your electricity, you still have to pay a level of your insurance, you still have to pay, you still have personal outgoings, whether it be health insurance or putting food on the table or whatever. So there are not all outgoings are, have, 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 have disappeared. So while, while many of our suppliers have been terribly understanding, terribly cooperative, uh, and, are they, are they uh, being, are they, Patrick, are they being understanding when you talk about, you know, the people who supply, well, not just the insurance, but uh, the suppliers, those people they would have deals with and ongoing deals with, or they may owe bills to Guinnesses or whoever it happens to be. I don't know who, who they have. To I pay. would have to say, I would have to say that the, the main drink suppliers have been, have been very supportive. Um, all of them. Uh, I would have to say that we've, 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 we've reached accommodation with others like, you know, there are a lot of hidden costs in, in pubs that people don't see. Things like Sky, massive mm-hmm. cost, you know, a thousand euro a month. Um, things like if you have music in the background, you have Imro PPI. PPI. Yeah. All, of, all of that, and you guys will understand that. All of this has to be paid. Now, they have been, eventually we did get Sky to come to the table and we have a, we have a moratorium on payments. Uh, the, the same with, uh, in fairness to Imro and PPI, they have, They've, 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 been, they've been supportive. Our major suppliers have been supportive, but it still doesn't mean that you don't have outgoings. You will have some outgoings, and there is a requirement for, you know, what, what we have concentrated on over the past week is to stop the outgoings. Now our concentration this week is going to be on trying to get injection, cash injection into the business so that people can actually survive. All right, well, listen, uh, I hope all they, they all survive, and I hope uh, when this all ends, and it will all end at some point, hopefully, uh, um, I think we'll, hope we'd get back to the old Ireland that we know and love, where I suppose the pub is the backbone of the, of the Irish social life. Listen, thank you very much indeed, Padraig Cribben. Uh, thanks for the opportunity, Niall. Thank you. Padraig Cribben is Chief Executive of the Vintners Association. Uh, all right, um, and hopefully they will get to sort that out with the insurance companies, and if the insurance companies are listening, yes, you shouldn't be looking at the small fine print at a time like this. And if you're stuck for the few quid, by the way, if you think it'll put you to the wall uh, paying out these insurance policies, well, then that's your fight with the government. So you need to go to government and say, listen, we would like to pay the pub owners. We would like to pay whoever it is that would have us an insurance policy of the business. Uh, we don't have enough money to pay everybody. You need to help us out. So maybe the, insur- the, the government will step in there as well and help because the government's responsibility is to help everybody out. This has got to be a massive bill. We all realise that. Uh, the prediction, uh, the way I work it out, is that... Uh, Leo's kind of four billion was way off the mark, and we're probably looking at closer to twenty billion euro. Twenty billion euro seems like a lot of money, and it is a lot of money, but absolutely nothing compared to what we paid to the banks back in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, when we paid forty six billion. Social distancing, 
We need to slow this down. Joe, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Joe? Nile, how's it going? You work I'm in the... in advance if I use any four-letter words. Oh, it's, it's, actually... it's okay. You work in the healthcare industry. <laughs> I, and, I do indeed. And, but you're currently in isolation yourself. I am. Okay. I'm, I feel perfectly fine, but we're not taking any chances. Okay. But because obviously you've had a connection or you've been in touch with or you've yeah. been somewhere. Where, what, what, yeah. what has you in isolation, by the way? What was the reason you went into isolation? Um, a lady I was looking after has symptoms and she's awaiting a test. Because I've emphysema, I'm at risk. So okay, okay, I understand completely. Absolutely, I feel perfectly fine, but I would not take a chance well, on anything well, until well, my test. That's right. it. Well, when she gets the negative test, then you'll be okay to, to go ahead. Then, okay, uh, okay, yeah. okay. But so, Joe, what your your observations in relation to the way people generally are adhering to social distancing? I think, to be fair to the most of us, I think the large percentage of the population are adhering to it. But your problem is that some are not. It only takes one person. Mm-hmm. Not a queue outside Bishop on Holt, in Holt on Sunday. I mean, like, you know, you hear of shootings and stuff, you know, and you can say, oh, it's drug-related and stuff. This is over a bag of chips. I know. You know, they're, know. they're jeopardizing people's lives. Yeah. They're, they're probably thinking, okay, we're fine, we've no symptoms and stuff. This is a serious virus that will affect people. It might not be now, it could be next week. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, they're just not taking it seriously enough. And should, I mean, I've seen people online suggesting there should be fines, Public Order Act fines Absolutely. for people who don't social distance. Absolutely. And I'd recommend people that are taking pictures of it and putting on Facebook, what they should be doing is ringing the guards. There's extra guards out there now. There's over 300 guards put on the roads for exactly these purposes. Well, the, the, there's no legislation currently. I know there was new legislation brought in over the weekend in relation to isolation and forcing people into isolation who have the virus or if the HSE suspect they may have the virus, they can put people forcibly into isolation. But I don't believe there is legislation that can turn around to somebody and say, you and you stand apart or, you know, you shouldn't be all together here. Or It's very, very difficult. I, I don't know what, how the legislation would work. I think under the Public Order Act, because of disobeying the orders of regard to Sheikh if they ask you yeah. to do it and you refuse. Yeah, it's just common sense, isn't it? Mm. The, only, the only way out of this situation, if people are not willing to do it voluntarily, is lockdown. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, my mother is 83 and I didn't get to see her yesterday and I can't say I'll have another Mother's Day with her because of her age. Mm-hmm. But that is the sacrifice I made. Yeah. I mean, if people can't sacrifice just for a bag of chips, I mean, that is, that's pretty sad. Yeah, well, for people around the country who didn't see the video or the photograph, there's a line of people, which is probably about 500 metres long, of people queuing up outside yeah. Bishop's. It's a very famous chipper, by the way, in Hoth. And they know the kids aren't in school for a reason. Yeah, I know. They have to be listening to the health minister and... I don't know, it's, it's just, it's actually boiling my blood. It's going to get scary because people, this is only the first week of lockdown. Next well, week it's not lockdown, week. yes. No, it's not lockdown. Well, this no, this not is not lockdown. lockdown. Not full lockdown, no. You know what but lockdown I mean, is about when it happens. If people are only in the first week and they don't have symptoms, they're going to be more bored. There's more people going to be going out next week. Yeah. So it needs to be nipped in the bud now. All right, well, listen, thank you for that, Joe. Um, a healthcare worker and says people are not taking it seriously enough and we all should be. Uh, Carmel, you're on Classic Hits. How are you doing, Carmel? Hi, Niall, I'm fine, thanks. How are um, you? What would you like to say, Carmel? Um, about social distancing, um, like, okay, I'm at home. I have my grandson at home. 
he has um, he's an asthmatic. Okay. I abide by the rules. I'm, I Mother's Day was yesterday. We said my daughters came, my son came, gave us uh, out through the window. You know. Yeah. And yeah. um, I went out for a walk. Like our government told us from day one, wash your hands. You know, people yeah. got that message. Wash your hands. I'll be okay. You know. Then another message came on. Uh, the age bracket would be small children and the old. So that got into the people's heads of the 20-year-olds, 40-year-olds. It's okay for us. So it's mixed messages coming from the government from day one. has confused. Well, I, yeah, but I think, I think, Carmel, in fairness to the government and the HSE, we're learning, you know, and, and the message is changing all the time because as we move on, we learn more about it or we we look at other countries and what they're doing and it's working there, so let's try that. It is all about trying. It's There is a bit of trial and error to it. And, uh, you know, nobody's going to get it 100% right. You're, you're correct, I know. But we, there's a, the majority of people are abiding by the rules. Yep. But there are some people, you can't teach old dogs new tricks. Yep. They're out socialising. They're gathering in groups. They're not teenagers. They're in their 20s and 30s. They're in the park. I walk, the, I walk to the park every night with my grandson, with the dog, just to get a bit of air. Last night, I walked the park. There was a group of eight. They were in their, well, 25, 30, drinking beer, drinking beer. This one girl that I know, she was after being in the chemist the day before when I was getting prescription from my grandson, and she was buying hand sanitizers. So her mentality probably was, my hands are clean. I can go out. Now, the Gardaí, you're saying, if you see these groups, ring the Gardaí. The streets are kind of isolated. There are just clusters here and there. Yeah. Obviously, the guards can see this. Well, I know I know. over the weekend, like, and I, I heard a councillor from Dundagall on the radio this morning talking about the guards were down at the beaches and they're telling young people in particular as well, and not just elderly people, young people, listen, stop hanging around, go on home. So they are asking people not to be doing this. Now, at the moment, they don't have the power to do very much about it because we don't have a lockdown situation. Um, but if a lockdown need, situation comes, they will then have the power to literally arrest you. We need a lockdown. And, we See, need and, and, I, and I understand, and everybody's saying this all weekend on, on Twitter and social media, we need a lockdown. But I wonder, does everybody saying that understand what that complete... That means that your kids are not going to be allowed out the door. Uh, you cannot leave the house, even to go to the shops, without permission. You will have to download a slip of paper probably online or get permission. In Spain and Italy, they do it from the local uh, Lord Mayor's, uh, you know, or the, whatever it happens to be. They get a slip of paper online that they can feel that I need to go to the shops today or I need to go here today to the doctor today or whatever it is. So you have to get permission to go everywhere. Is that? Is, do you believe we need to go that far, yeah? I think we do. Okay. Because, look, the mix, I, mean, I don't want to delay you or anything, but... Like that, the mixed messages we got earlier on in the government, I know we're listening to, I'm not listening to stupid stuff on, on Facebook or anything. No. It's I'm listening to the media, I'm listening to the doctors, I'm listening to the experts. And at the start they were saying, you can go for a walk, you can go to the beach, but don't gather in clusters. So people yesterday seen fine weather, it was Mother's Day, get into your car, go to the beach. They weren't invited to the beach, they just went to get a, a day out. They didn't realise there were going to be hundreds of people there. I mean, six inches apart or, or, or whatever, how many metres we're supposed to be. Like the car parks are... Well, at least two metres, they say. Yeah, yeah. Two metres, yeah. yeah. Car which, parks which is a fair are bit. full. Yeah. 
No, well, I know, and, I, and I've seen the cars bumper to bumper up around Glendalock. Literally bumper to bumper. People up around the Wicklow Mountains all out for a walk. I mean, it's ridiculous. People are just not listening. Listen, Carmel, thank you very much indeed. And I get the point you're making. Carmel believes we need a lockdown and not tomorrow and not the next day straight away. We need it. Otherwise, this is just not going to work uh, because there is idiots out there who are just not listening. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.